My name is Valentina, and this is the story of my passage through betrayal. I hope it can help anyone seeking peace after being disappointed by a loved one. I believed that there is a commonality in the way all humans seek peace. Some spend most of their energy running away from themselves, dedicated to a goal to which they eventually become attached. In their minds, that can be a substitute for love. I have learned that love is not about getting the attention, the presence, the admiration from those around you. Rather, love is about giving without expectations, provided the first person on your list is yourself. Once you experience self-love, you can project it onto those around you. We are born loving creatures and then we comply with norms to feel accepted. We learn to judge ourselves as we internalize the beliefs of those who brought us up. If you have complied long enough, you are probably married with kids and happy. Or you might not have been able to find a spouse nor have children. But you might have come to terms with your situation and feel fulfilled. I hope you have. At some point, you will see some of those around you falling prey to infidelity, divorce, addictions, abuse or professional failure. Or it could be you. This is a book of acceptance. I didn't want just to share another story about infidelity. Neither do I claim to be a professional expert on treating the trauma caused by it. I wanted to compile the resources that helped me move to a better place after being cheated on. The trauma caused by infidelity is relative to the magnitude of other challenges faced by the person. The pain of losing a child, for instance, overshadows the pain of being cheated on. My intention in sharing my story is to guide anyone who feels that life has been unfair and seeks peace to get there as quickly as possible. The time needed to grieve is personal, but we all want to enjoy what we have. Sometimes knowing that people like you have been able to smile again after infidelity helps you reach the day when you will feel a little less overwhelmed by your own predicament. We are all victims of lies and manipulations from those we love at some point in our existence. Infidelity is just one of those experiences and it affects each and every one of us directly or indirectly. Who doesn't know someone whose partner has cheated on them? If you have a loved one who is facing their spouse's waywardness, you will find answers in this book. Not only have I organized the facts in chronological order, I have also included my own conclusions about the way in which the betrayed and the unfaithful react. After listening to several experts and other people who have been directly touched by infidelity. elephant in the room. There's an elephant in the room and it's a stinky one. This was part of the message I sent to my dear friend Frida who had invited us to their beach house for a late afternoon swim and dinner in the summer of 2018. Summer nights on the island are the best. The probability of rain is slim, the temperature drops to bearable levels and if you sit by the sea there's a high chance of being stroked by a fresh cooling breeze. Frida had to Google the meaning of there's an elephant in the room to fully understand my message. As a non-native English speaker, she was not entirely sure about the meaning of such expression in the context of my brief SMS. It reads, 
Looking forward to seeing you on Saturday, but wouldn't be fair not to warn you that there is an elephant in the room, and it's a stinky one. We're going through a rough marital patch since Tuesday, when the evidence of a triangle surfaced. There is no way to sugarcoat these things. Both Mark and I are sorting things out, but that includes separating in the short term. We are on friendly and civilized terms, so would love to have our yearly dip in the sea with all of you. P.S. Sorry if I upset you with our news. How to tell your friends you have discovered your husband cheating is not easy. But I'm not the kind of person who can pretend all is well. I felt I either wasn't going to have any social life during the summer, or I would warn those friends I wanted to see. They were not going to be many. What was happening to us was so big that I couldn't keep it to myself. And at the same time, there were people with whom I didn't want to discuss what I was going through. In the midst of the immediate actions after Discovery Day, I decided to send Frida a warning message to minimize the damage it could cause to the jolly mood they were probably looking forward to during our annual get-together by the sea. She was extremely supportive in her almost instant reply. Frida and Sean sent us wishes to be able to overcome the difficulties. During the days following the discovery of Mark's affair with a married co-worker, I was only seeing people with whom I could be open about the infidelity. I refused to accompany Mark to work-related commitments or get-togethers with his school friends. I didn't want to flood emotionally and I didn't want to make it easy for my cheating husband to pretend that all was well between us. I had known of cases in the extended political family where the spouses would agree to stay together after an infidelity just to cover the appearances until their children would marry. I always found that idea unacceptable and was not willing to put on a facade. The early evening dips in the sea with Frida and Sean, followed by Alfresco dining, were very special to me. They had become one of my summer highlights since our families had been enjoying each other's company during the past 15 years. With this particular couple, we always enjoyed just being ourselves. There was no talk about mundane parenting chores. We had deep conversations about the meaning of life stages we were going through. That's why I felt they could be trusted with the fact that Mark's affair had come out into the light. Ten days before I sent the message about the stinky elephant to Frida, we had gladly accepted their invitation for this yearly soiree. Our daughters had always played along very well and I was looking forward to a high-level conversation with our friends. Nothing was going to stop me from attending this year's invite to their beach holiday house, not even the recording of the painful truth of betrayal. Suspicion and discovery. I had suspected that Mark was having an affair for over a year before the recording. My suspicions had become more definite as he changed the password to his phone. He would cling to his device as if his life depended on it. I felt as if I had been put in a compartment that said, Weekend Wife. The hello kiss at the end of the afternoon when he returned from work became scarce and he had not been interested in how my day had been for a long time. 
I had slowly become the comfortable armchair my husband could sit on at the end of a long and rewarding day at work. In October 2017, I confronted Mark and told him that he was behaving as if he was having an affair. He knew that I had experience as the daughter of an unfaithful husband. I had seen my father's behavior 30 years earlier when he was in a relationship with another woman while he was married to my mother. Mark was very good at confusing me, as he would point out all the ways in which he had been a dedicated husband and father while I was arguing that he was disconnected in some way. Even though he was always at home on the weekends, he developed a routine with a particular time at which he would go out to wash his car, something that he could have arranged to do during the week and something he never did before. He was distracted. His mind was elsewhere. He smiled at texts he would read on his phone. I started to look at the screen over his shoulder with caution. I saw flowers. I asked about those messages and he lied. He lied many times and I was confused. Gaslighting is a term I never heard until after I discovered Mark's affair and started my recovery process. The term derives from the play Gaslight, written in 1938 by British dramatist Patrick Hamilton, and later film adaptations like the one with Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer. Bergman plays a trusting wife to Boyer, who tries to convince her that she is ill in order to keep her from learning the truth. Gaslighting is a malicious and hidden form of mental and emotional abuse. Self-doubt is planted on you to alter your perception of reality. This psychological manipulation by my own husband was the most painful and damaging effect during my pre-discovery stage. Intuition was shouting at me that there was something different, and yet Mark's behavior was the opposite of mistreatment at times. In gaslighting, the perpetrator acts concerned and kind to dispel suspicions. Mark started to invite me to escape to other cities on weekends. We celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary abroad. I didn't marry Mark because of his romanticism or the luxury experiences we could share. I married him because I fell in love with him. He was plain and simple, but determined and clear of what he wanted. He chose me from his, for his wife, and I got on board at 29, ready to give my everything to our marriage and the family we could create together. We were never the high spenders or the ones who would work three jobs to buy an expensive piece of furniture that the single job couldn't afford. I interpreted these unusual expenses by Mark after 20 years together as a natural phase. We could now enjoy that his career was peaking and we were in our middle life stage. It was what successful professional couples were doing in their mid-40s. I was wrong. That weird feeling. 11 days before I discovered Mark's affair, we had attended a party at one of his younger colleagues' home. She was the marketing manager who worked directly with the owner of the hotel that Mark managed. 
We had already been invited to her home the previous year after we had coincided in a neighboring country during our family holidays. She was a very sociable young woman who had become close to the staff in Mark's office. They were all a decade younger than us and were very professional and dedicated to their jobs. I had come to know many of them through social ga gatherings related to Mark's work. During this party near a fair discovery day, D-Day, there were lots of smiles and happy music. However, there was something strange about the whole atmosphere. The hostess was kind, but at the same time remained distant. I remember going to sit at a table where she was and she immediately stood up and left. I thought she had suddenly remembered something and had to leave to attend it. At some point, I had a chance to talk to the husband of the hostess. He replied to my chit-chat questions with one-word sentences. It was obvious he didn't want to deepen the conversation beyond the acquaintance level, so I politely retreated to a seat by myself. I was comforted by the kindness of some of Mark's closest staff who kept me company and even complimented my weight loss. I couldn't explain what I was feeling, but it hadn't been unusual during the outings we have had during the previous 10 months. I had lost weight because my levels of anxiety had escalated due to the battle between my intuition and the list of facts Mark used to highlight to me when confronted with my doubts about his loyalty in our marriage. When asked if, if, we, if we had a nice time during the party, the answer had to be yes. But deep down, I could hear a voice in my mind telling me that things were not good. There was something I could not explain. Mark was hiding something and it couldn't stop. I couldn't stop thinking it had to do with one of his staff. I suspected the single office manager whose life seemed to revolve around work. This young lady who was not married had been kind to me during the party. She just wasn't the overwhelmingly friendly type and she never shared details about her private life. We couldn't connect on a personal level because she never asked about my children, which was the most personal the chats with Mark's staff could get. Our conversation topics were very limited and I still could not find a better suspect for a fair partner to my husband. Another occasion difficult to explain had occurred the previous month to this party, just before the summer season started. We attended one of Mark's school friend's birthday bash. It was a beautiful celebration with people Mark knew since his early teens. These were the kind of friends with whom he could be his true self. Unlike any of the other gatherings we had attended with this crowd, Mark was not his usual bubbly self. I had some drinks that a common friend had kindly poured for me while Mark engaged in conversation with other people at our table. I felt these were my friends. After over 20 years of sharing special occasions and relieving all memories from their school, I wanted to have some fun and I was feeling bored. I always gave Mark ample space to socialize with his friends, but this time I had been left completely on my own. At some point, while Mark discussed work with his school friend across the table, I decided to get his attention and I threw a dessert fork very gently on his head. 
the small fork flew across the table and landed on his head as a leaf that would have fallen from the tree above him. I did get his attention with an unexpected overdose of aggravation for my choice of object I tossed. He reacted as if I would have thrown a knife to kill him. I couldn't understand why he did everything possible to ruin an otherwise magnificent evening. I danced on my own after he decided to completely ignore me and give me the sharp looks during one of my failed attempt, my one failed attempt to engage with him after the fork incident. That night, Mark and I had a big fight at home. He made me feel like a mad woman for attacking him with a fork. All I wanted was to have some fun. I admitted it was silly of me to throw him the dessert fork, but he insisted on making a huge deal out of it. If it would have been a napkin, it would have been okay, he snapped at me. I never felt so put down by my husband. This happened almost three months before Discovery Day. Escaping Gaslighting The day I overcame my fear of being caught spying on my husband, especially if my suspicions were wrong, I was able to place an old iPhone in the boot of his car before he left for work one Tuesday morning at the end of July 2018. In the afternoon when he arrived, Mark went for a walk on his own, one of the changes in his behavior after 20 years of marriage, and I stayed home charging the old phone I had retrieved from his car. I promptly went to listen to what had been recorded by this almost dead device that I had found a couple of days earlier forgotten in a drawer. There was the explicit exchange of phrases between two lovers who had established a long-time connection. I had captured a telephone conversation between my husband and a woman who reached ecstasy while talking to him. I couldn't recognize her voice, but it wasn't Mark's single office manager that I had suspected. He was on his way to work and the woman was still in bed. They used terms associated with sex and he showed an enthusiasm while talking to her that he had only displayed lately towards our eight-year-old daughter and our cat. I finally had the proof I needed to realize that I had been gaslighted for almost a year by my cheating husband. I wasn't imagining things. My hands were shaking, but I felt relieved about being right regarding the existence of the affair. I finally had a satisfactory explanation for the change of behavior in Mark. He had obviously lied to me the day I confronted him in October of 2017. The conversation I recorded disclosed strong personal, sexual, professional and emotional connections that can only be created over a long period of time. Mark was shocked when I played the recording to him. He mumbled. That is not me. I was furious by his reaction. He thought he could get away with the disconnection and the absent-mindedness at home without me ever finding out the truth about his affair. Help from above. I will forever believe that I had help from the spirit world to place a recorder in Mark's car glove compartment the precise day I could catch him red-handed. 
exactly one week earlier, I had asked Mark's dead parents to help me discover the truth. If they were true angels in heaven looking after their son, they would assist me on my quest. 22 years had passed since my mother-in-law stepped into the spirit world and six since my father-in-law did. It was a summer afternoon of soaring temperatures when I asked them for their help. We had gone to pay respect to their graves with our children and the families of Mark's siblings. I had been suspecting Mark was having an affair for almost a year. As the days passed by, the anxiety I felt became more and more difficult to control. The afternoon of the prayer at the cemetery, I shed a couple of tears while I begged my dead-in-laws to help me decipher exactly what was behind what I was feeling about their child. I remember talking to them in my head and saying, help me help Mark out of whatever mess he's gotten himself into by uncovering the truth. And they listened. A mother will help, help her child even beyond the grave. I was counting on it. During the days that followed the cemetery prayer, I came across the old iPhone I had forgotten in my desk's lower drawer. I could miraculously charge it and set up a suitable application for voice recording. I then tested the length of the recording by using the same app in my phone overnight and it recorded for over eight hours. That time frame would give me enough room to place the device in the compartment next to the speakers before Mark would get in the car in the morning and cover the journey from home to his work. So I proceeded with the plan. Relief overshadowed disappointment. Once I had proof that Mark was having an affair, the certainty that I was not insane overshadowed the pain of the betrayal. The disappointment about my husband's choices to connect with a third person surfaced weeks later. I felt greater aggravation for all the gaslighting he had put me through every time I would bring up that he was having an affair than by discovering the infidelity per se. He had accused me of being unfoundedly jealous, negligent in the pursuit of my own happiness, and ungrateful for all the benefit I was enjoying in my blessed life. I had done everything in my power to get over my own midlife health and mood challenges. Mark supported my efforts financially and respected all my therapy choices. Once I got strong and healthy again, I was ready to live the next stage of my life with my adored husband but he had become distant and disconnected. He had cruelly gaslighted me when I had been honest about suspecting he was having an affair. I couldn't force him to love me. I had finally realized my gut feeling was right and it looked like we had reached the end of our marriage. Mm -hmm. 